On February 15th, we commemorate the Apostle Onesimus of the Seventy, Venerable Paphnutius the Recluse of the Kiev Caves, Venerable Paphnutius of Alexandria, Venerable Euphrosin of Alexandria, Venerable Eusebius the Hermit of Syria, the Icon of the Mother of God, Vilinus, the Icon of the Mother of God of Dalmatia, and St. Anthemus of Chios. St. Onesimus, Apostle of the Seventy, in his youth was a servant of Philemon, a Christian of distinguished lineage, living in the city of Colasse, Phrygia. Guilty of an offense against his master and fearing punishment, St. Onesimus fled to Rome. But as a runaway slave, he wound up in prison. In prison, he encountered the Apostle Paul, was enlightened by him, and was baptized. In prison, St. Onesimus served the Apostle Paul like a son. St. Paul was personally acquainted with Philemon and wrote him a letter filled with love, asking him to forgive the runaway slave and to accept him like a brother. He sent Onesimus with this letter to his master, depriving himself of help, of which he was very much in need. After he received the letter, St. Philemon not only forgave Onesimus, but also sent him back to Rome to the Apostle. St. Philemon, commemorated on January 4th, February 19th, and November 22nd, was afterwards consecrated bishop of the city of Gaza. After the death of the Apostle Paul, St. Onesimus served the Apostles until their end, and he was made a bishop. After the death of the Holy Apostles, he preached the gospel in many lands and cities, in Spain, Carpitania, Colosse, Patras. In his old age, St. Onesimus occupied the bishop's throne at Ephesus, after the Apostle Timothy. When they took St. Ignatius, the God-bearer, commemorated on December 20th, to Rome for execution, Bishop Onesimus came to meet with him with other Christians. As St. Ignatius mentions in his epistle to the Ephesians, during the reign of the Emperor Trajan, 89-117, to St. Onesimus was arrested and brought to trial before the Eparch Tertullus. He held the saint in prison for 18 days and then sent him to prison in the city of Puteoli. After a certain while, the Eparch sent for the prisoner and convincing himself that St. Onesimus maintained his faith in Christ, had him stoned. After which they beheaded the saint with a sword. A certain illustrious woman took the body of the martyr and placed it in a silver coffin. This took place in the year 109. St. Paphnutius had the gifts of tears, which St. John of the Latter says is preceded by the remembrance of death. For worldly people, this remembrance may lead to fear and distress, but for St. Paphnutius it led to constant prayer and the guarding of his mind. By remembering the hour of death and God's judgment, St. Paphnutius was able to free himself from worldly distractions and passions through prayer, repentance, and fasting. This, in turn, led to tears. The holy martyr Paphnutius hailed from Egypt and struggled in the desert. During the persecution against Christians under Diocletian, 284-305, Governor Hadrian commanded that St. Paphnutius be brought to him. The ascetic, not waiting for those sent to bring him, appeared before the governor, confessed his faith in Christ, and was subjected to torture. The soldiers involved in his torture, Dionysius and Callimachus, seeing how the power of God preserved the martyr, believed in Christ the Savior themselves, for which they were then beheaded. Cast into prison after the tortures, St. Paphnutius converted 40 prisoners to the faith. 
they were all burned alive. After a while, St. Paphinotius was set free, and a Christian named Nestorius gladly took him in. He and all his family, after spiritual guidance, became steadfast in the faith, and ultimately endured martyrdom. The saints strengthened many other Christians to confess our Lord Jesus Christ, and they all died as martyrs. Some were cut with swords, others were burned. There were 546 men in all. St. Paphnutius himself was thrown by the torturers into a river with a stone about his neck, but he miraculously floated to shore with the stone. Finally, they sent the holy martyr to the Emperor Diocletian himself, who commanded him to be crucified on a date tree. St. Paphnutius is also commemorated on September 25th. St. Euphrosine of Alexandria was born at the beginning of the 5th century in the city of Alexandria. She was the only child in her family of illustrious and rich parents. Since her mother died early, she was raised by her father, Paphnutius, a deeply believing and pious Christian. He frequented a monastery, the Igumen, of which was his spiritual guide. When Euphrosine turned 18, her father wanted her to marry. He went to the monastery to his spiritual guide to receive his blessing for the planned wedding of his daughter. The Igumen conversed with the daughter and gave her his blessing. But St. Euphrosine yearned for the monastic life. She secretly accepted tonsure from a wandering monk, left her father's house and decided to enter a monastery in order to lead her life in solitude and prayer. She feared, however, that in a woman's monastery her father would find her, calling herself the eunuch Smaragdos. She went to the very same men's monastery which she had visited with her father since childhood. The monks did not recognize Euphrosine dressed in men's garb, and so they accepted her into the monastery. Here, in a solitary cell, St. Euphrosine spent 38 years in works, fasting and prayer, and attained a high level of spiritual accomplishment. Her father grieved over the loss of his beloved daughter, and more than once, on the advice of the Igumen, he conversed with the monks Maragdos, revealing his grief and receiving spiritual comfort. Before her death, the nun Euphrosine revealed her secret to her grieving father and asked that no one but he should prepare her body for burial. Having buried his daughter, Paphnutius distributed all his wealth to both the poor and to the monastery, and then he accepted monasticism. For ten years, right up to his own death, he labored in the cell of his daughter. St. Euphrosyne is also commemorated on September 25th. St. Eusebius the Hermit lived in the 4th century and lived in asceticism on a mountain near the village of Asiha in Syria. He led a very strict life under the open sky, patiently enduring the summer heat and winter cold. He wore skins for clothing and nourished himself on the pods of peas and beans. Though he was elderly and infirm, he ate only 15 figs during the great 40-day fast. When many people began to flock to St. Eusebius, he went to a nearby monastery built a small enclosure at the monastery walls, and lived in it until his death. St. Eusebius died at the age of 90, sometime after the year 400. This icon is from Vilnius, or Vilna, Lithuania, and depicts the most holy Theotokos by herself with hands crossed over her breast. She is crowned, and there is a circle of stars around her head. The icon of the Mother of God of Vilnius is also commemorated on April 14th. The Dalmatian icon of the Dormition of the Most Holy Theotokos is from the Dormition Dalmatov Monastery in the province of Perm. St. Anthimos, 
Aguirios Quebaguiano was born on July 1, 1869, in the vicinity of St. Luke and Livadion, Chios. His righteous and virtuous parents, Constantine and Argiro, took care to give their children a Christian education. The young Argiros was endowed by the Holy Spirit with the spirit of wisdom. He was foreordained by God to shine forth as a chosen vessel and to become a great guide who would lead others to Christ. His entire childhood development and upbringing was apparently due to the strong and profound influence of his Christian family environment. On Sundays, Argirios and his family attended services at the monastery of Niamoni. When he was eight years old, he met St. Nectarios, who was a deacon at the time. After conversing with young Argirios, he said to Egumen Pahomius, Elder, do you see that child? Someday he will become a saint. Argirios had little formal education and was limited to simple elementary school knowledge, so with no theoretical knowledge of worldly acclaim, but with a good disposition, spiritual discernment, and with a particularly intense desire for the spiritual life, he advanced unwaveringly in the virtuous life with the precious gift of unshakable faith. Divine love led him to renounce the world and its noisy turmoil and to enter the monastic state where his virtues shone forth. The starting point for him to follow the path of monasticism was his visit to the skeet of the Holy Fathers of Chios for the restoration of his own wonder-working icon of the All-Holy Virgin, the Helper. He had received the icon from his mother. Since that time, this icon remained an integral part of his entire life. The Theotokos became a source of inexhaustible strength for him in his latter difficult struggles, and she was also a fount of refreshment and respite. His guide in his ascetical life was the Venerable Elder Pahomios of Skitis, by whom he was tonsured into the small schema, and who renamed him Anthimos. He submitted to Elder Pahomius, and through unceasing prayer and fasting, and by the harsh struggles which he undertook with God's good will, he grew great in asceticism and in virtue. His physical and spiritual struggles left him exhausted and ill, so with the blessing of Father Pahomius, he returned to his home in order to recuperate. St. Anthimos, however, did not abandon his struggles. Once his health was partially restored, he retired to a small isolated cell on his father's estates in Livadia, Chios. Here, he continued his spiritual contests. At the same time, he worked as a shoemaker in order to help his poor parents and to show mercy to those who were afflicted. In his cell, by unceasing prayer and by studying the lives of the great ascetics, he was strengthened and he made progress in his spiritual formation, but he also provoked the demonic rage of the evil one. He struggled severely and effectively, conducting multifaceted and victorious contests against the evil one with ardent prayer each day he ascended the blessed ladder of virtues and holiness. In 1909, at the age of 40, he was tonsured into the great schema by Hieromonk Andronikos, the successor Father Pahomius. The virtuous ascetic Anthemos was a chosen vessel and was ready for the office of the priesthood. However, the local bishop refused to ordain him because of his lack of education. In 1910, he was invited to Adramitium in Asia Minor by his godfather, Stephen Diomataris, for this purpose. The saint's ordination by the bishop of Smyrna was not a typical event. In his case, there were signs of divine approval following the ordination. Earthquake, lightning, thunder, and a cataclysmic rainfall occurred at the sacred hour. The vigil lamp swayed, and one of them fell down. After the ordination, there was calm, stillness, and joy from God. These physical phenomena revealed and bore witness to the fact that God was pleased by his ordination. As long as he remained in Adramitium, he shone forth in a dazzling way because of his virtue and holiness. 
by which he healed those in the region who were possessed by demons, something his fellow priests were unable to do. His spiritual radiance stirred up the passion and jealousy in his concelebrants. Wishing to free them from this passion, the saint left Adramitium in 1911 and went to Mount Athos, where the Hagiorite monks freely bestowed many honors upon him. Returning to Chios, he was assigned as the priest for the home for lepers, which became a new setting for his virtues and charitable activities. The icon of the Panahia Yepapanti, the meeting of the Lord, the protectress of the hospital for lepers, focuses on all her acts of kindness. The Lady Theotokos, through the prayers of St. Antimos, performed countless miracles of healing the infirmities of the faithful, both those whose names are known and those who remain anonymous. This institution for unfortunate lepers became a spiritual center of physical and mental health. His entire ministry at the Home for Lepers shows his deepest faith and his very valuable contributions. Here, the greatness of the saint is revealed. As the priest of that church, St. Anthimos was always found with the lepers. He ate with them, he talked to them, and he communed them with the spotless mysteries. After the divine liturgy, he rested. In that hallowed atmosphere, he envisioned the establishment of a monastery to shelter nuns who had fled there from Asia Minor following the exchange of populations, 1922 to 1924. At that time, many Greeks in Asia Minor were sent to Greece, and many Turks in Greece went to Turkey. So his dreams moved forward toward their fulfillment. In 1927, after he had a vision of Theotokos, he received permission to build such a monastery. He also built the magnificent temple dedicated the icon of the Mother of God, the Helper, in 1930. From that time, he settled in the monastery, filled with devotion to the Most Holy Theotokos, and there he advanced in his life of asceticism, filled with a multitude of virtues and holiness through the intercession and help of the Theotokos. He shepherded his flock with great affection and love, strengthening and consoling them with his sweet and simple speech healing the sickness and afflictions of those who had recourse to him. After his lifelong ministry, now at the age of 90, fully ripe and full of days, with a dignity which was reminiscent of the great ascetics of the desert, he celebrated his last divine liturgy on January 27, 1960. A few days later, he reposed in peace. St. Antimos was glorified by the Church of Constantinople on August 13, 1992.